presented by Amazon. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghu Munavalan. It's Thursday. President Joe Biden makes his closing argument for the midterms. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. This institution, this intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs are the consequence of lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. Last month, President Joe Biden told his team he wanted to do one more speech on the dangers facing American democracy. You might remember that Biden had already delivered a grand address on the issue back on September 1st in front of Philadelphia's Independence Hall. But aides and allies said this week that Biden has become increasingly dismayed as more election deniers emerged from Republican primaries to wage competitive general election campaigns. And as evidence emerged that democracy had moved up the list of voter concerns, he wanted to take another crack at it. In a quickly assembled event Tuesday night at Union Station, the president delivered a sharp, clear message asking voters to put election lies and political violence at the top of their minds as they cast their midterm ballots. Opening a speech by recounting last week's attack on Paul Pelosi, the House Speaker's husband, Biden connected that violence January 6th and other incidents to Donald Trump's election lies. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. It was the closing message that met the moment for Biden if not for other Democrats who have been swamped in Republican attacks focused on inflation, crime, and the southern border. Biden set aside all those issues to instead ask Americans to simply vote for candidates who won't work to destroy democracy. As one Biden ally familiar with the planning told Playbook last night, the theme of democracy versus autocracy and the notion of an inflection point that came straight out of Biden's head and mouth. The person added that Biden knows there's not a big interest group for this, there's not a Twitter feed for democracy, but that's the moment we find ourselves in. However, that sense of the moment is up for debate, as Peter Baker from The New York Times writes in his Step Back piece. He writes, while Democrats largely agree with the argument in Mr. Biden's speech, not every Democrat thought it was helpful to make the address when candidates are trying to distance themselves from Mr. Biden, whose approval ratings are in the mid-40s and voters in polls are focused on other issues. David Axelrod had this to say in a tweet. Issues of democracy are hugely important at this moment and in next week's election. Totally appropriate for POTUS to address them. Still, as a matter of practical politics, I doubt many D's in marginal races are eager for him to be on TV tonight. Speaking of Twitter, Politico's tech policy reporter Rebecca Kern has been tracking Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter from the very beginning and is here to talk about it. Rebecca, how's it going? How are you doing? Good. How are you? A little tired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. For people who might not have kept up, um, who don't live on Twitter like yours truly, uh, what do you know about what's changed already at Twitter since Musk's purchase? Yes, a lot has changed at Twitter. Immediately when he finalized the deal last Thursday, He fired four of its top executives, including the former CEO, Parag Agarwal, the top legal advisor who is in charge of a lot of the uh, trust and safety and content moderations and public policy decisions, as well well as the CFO. So pretty much the whole leadership team has been gutted. He took the company private 
and um, it's now doesn't have stock sold on the on um, the stock market, and he is the sole director. He dissolved the board, so he doesn't really report. No one really reports to him. I mean, everyone reports to him, but he doesn't. Ha- he's not really beholden to mm. anyone besides shareholders. And but then content policy wise, um, while he tweeted out that he's making no changes to how they moderate content. There was some um, independent research done within the first 12 hours of his takeover. There was a 500% increase in derogatory racial slurs on the site. So a lot of users are going to be testing the system to see if it can withhold all of the negative content that's being spewed on it. And unfortunately, a lot of the staff that was in Mm. charge of removing it um, is no longer there. Um, So I think one big part of this, too, is, I guess, the fear part, right? What do you what do you see as something that might change soon and what might people be worried about, uh, whether within the company or even uh, users or media organizations uh, of which we are both members of? Yes. Um, Well, there's a lot of apprehension all around about what changes he'll make. He announced Friday that he's going to create this quote-unquote content moderation council. And they, Mm. we don't know who that is. Yesterday, he he said he's going to put a diverse group of people from different political stances and and people from advocacy backgrounds. So it's what I think he wants people want him to do and people maybe he thinks you want to hear. But once again, will it be independent? Will it be um, funded to the extent they'll have any authority to to provide any you know recommendations? We'll see. That's one thing we're watching. Another thing is whether he'll allow uh, banned individuals mm. back on the platform. He also tweeted yesterday that he is not going to allow any banned individuals. We're thinking um, former President Donald Trump, for example, back on the platform for several weeks, he said. He's still working on the policies by which he would allow these individuals back on and and maybe what what standards they'll be held to um, if if they could then get kicked off again if they violate standards. But I think he's still setting up the content moderation standards he wants in place first. That's what he's claiming. So these are the biggest issues we're watching for. We're also apprehensive, apprehensively watching how Twitter handles the midterms. Mm. Um, a lot of misinformation, disinformation is spread around election results on all social media platforms. It just happens every year. And they're they're really put to the test. And like I said, a lot of their staff has been cut that's been in charge of managing and removing and labeling content um, that is violative. Yeah, you did actually um, have a story up yesterday. Musk recently had a call with just himself, I believe, with uh, various civil rights groups. Uh, what did you hear from that call? He um, met with seven groups. Um, some of the biggest in the civil rights space were talking NAACP, Anti-Defamation League, as well as some um, press advocacy groups like Free Press. And he told them, you know, he reassured them he's like I said, not going to let any banned accounts back mm. on for several weeks. All these groups were very concerned about a Donald Trump getting back on the platform days before a midterm and, oh, you know, 
threatening to um, contesting results and 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 le- or you know maybe spreading lies about the date of the election or locations or I mean there's a lot of harm that can be done really quickly right. on these platforms as we know um, false content can spread very quickly um, even if they take it down it's it's often too late so um, these groups are highly concerned and they're also very concerned about that spike in hate speech and racial slurs I mentioned. Um, they all brought that up. He was very reassuring that he he agreed that content shouldn't be up there and they're working to ca- take it down. So all I spoke with NAACP's president. Um, you know, he said he heard the right things, hmm. um, but he's just going to wait and see. Like, it's like he's going to believe his actions more than his words. So, I, so did the free press person. She said the same thing. Um, th- they're all... The NAACP president said he's cautiously optimistic, but um, they're all going to wait and see. But another constituency he's having to work with is advertisers, which mm-hmm. I can talk about as well if you're interested. Yeah, sure. Uh, what, what have you heard from advertisers while we're here? Right. So yesterday, one of the four largest advertising firms in the country, IPG's Media Brands, which represents really large clients like Coca-Cola and Spotify and like tech companies and and banks all over the place, they sent a note to all of their clients. They wouldn't tell me how many clients they they work Mm. with, but the dollars is in like the tens of billions in terms of spend that these plot that these companies spend on social media. So their absence would be huge that this group advised them to suspend um, their advertising on the platform for the next week. So until November 7th, whether the clients will agree to that, um, we haven't heard exactly. But that's a big deal to tell clients, you know, I think this platform is a bit too uncertain for you to put your brand on. It's spooking advertisers. And we already saw GM announce last Friday. They're not, they're suspending their ads. That likely is for another reason, because Tesla um, is the company, one of many companies now Musk owns and runs, and they're mm. a direct competitor. But but it's just really interesting to watch. So there's so many changes in, in the space, and but advertising makes up 90% of Twitter's revenue currently. And if they all leave, that could have dramatic impact. Yeah, I assume, you know, as wild as Elon Musk might be, uh, you don't spend $44 billion on something unless you have some sort of plan to uh, increase that value, right? Um, but I think yeah. what you're also saying about advertising is kind of interesting, too, because I think this kind of drives into what, like, what is, who are Twitter's customers in theory? Is it the advertising base that fuels ad revenue? Is it the power users that drive the content that bring people into it? Is it the people that kind of lurk and, like, look at those mm-hmm. ad buys? I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting question. I think the answer is yes to all of those things. <laughs> and he... Fair He's even tweeting. Honestly, you can't help but laugh at some of these tweets. Yeah. But he's saying like, you know, I it's hard to please everyone. Like I'm upsetting the right and left. I guess I'm doing a good job. Like I think he walked into this thinking. I mean, I had someone tell me yesterday, like they're just shocked at the naivety of it it all. Like, did he really think it'd be really easy to please everyone? I don't know. Um, But it's (laughs) it's been pretty wild to watch his kind of come to Jesus moment of being like, oh, you know what? This is hard. And he keeps updating his own bio. Currently, it says Twitter complaint hotline 
operator. His location okay. is in hell. Very clever, Elon. So don't think he's loving all of the pushback he's getting. But once again, I don't know why he thought this would be easy. Um, so yeah, everyone's mad at him. I think that'll remain. <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Rebecca Kern, uh, she's Politico's content moderation and tech policy reporter. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to Albuquerque, New Mexico. There, he'll deliver remarks on student debt relief and participate in a rally for Democrats. At 6.55, Biden will leave Albuquerque to head to San Diego, where he'll participate in a political event for Representative Mike Levin. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 3.10 p.m., Vice President Kamala Harris will depart D.C. to head to New York, where she'll participate in a get-out-the-vote event with New York Governor Kathy Hochul. And at 7 p.m., Harris will depart part New York to head back to D.C. The House and the Senate are out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Munabalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. All employees should have the opportunity and tools to grow their careers regardless of where they start. That's why Amazon offers 10 different programs designed to help employees advance their careers and move into higher paying roles within Amazon. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.